Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Monday, May 22nd. It is one minute past 10 o'clock, and we are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook, and we are live on Twitter. All right, how's everyone doing tonight? It is the Sick Podcast, brought to you in part by La Bita TV. Embrace your true nature. La Bita TV, of course, winner of a dozen international awards. Brewed in Quebec, it offers a quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TV, embrace, once again, your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, who's been named by the Financial Times, not by uh, John Importequila, as one of America's fastest growing companies in 2023. And they've been recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top growing Canadian company for two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies, providing end-to-end logistics services. Join a winning team and check them out. Energy's career page for available opportunities. My guys there, Sean Gerard. Mike Cinquino, and even David Grassi, and also brought to you in part by XL Moto. A shout-out to Ali and to Vito Di Cosola. XL Moto is the premier motorcycle and scooter dealership in Montreal over 20 years. Their dealership carries seven different motorcycle and scooter brands. Number one, Aprilia and Piaggio Ambassadors for the last five years. Number two, by the way, is a dealership in Miami, XL Moto, your ultimate destination and best customer service experience. If you're going to buy a Vespa, in my opinion, the only place in the city to buy a Vespa is Excel Moto. Check out ExcelMoto.com, which is uh, the website. And uh, by the way, if you uh, pick up a Vespa uh, between uh, any time now, uh, between now and the end of June, 
uh, you'll get a helmet for free. That comes, of course, with a specific monetary value. And to get more information, check out XLMoto.com and give them a call and ask for Vito. Uh, tonight is Monday night, and our regular collaborator on Monday nights is Eric Engels from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Before we get to Eric, I'm going to tell you this that the Florida Panthers, oops, they're doing it again, in the words of Britney Spears. They are up by a score of one to nothing over the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is an absolutely unbelievable story that just keeps on, the Cinderella story keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Uh, After beating the Boston Bruins in round one and beating the Toronto Maple Leafs in round two, I thought that the Florida Panthers were resembling the Montreal Canadiens of 2010 when Jacques Martin's team, backstopped by Yaroslav Halak, um, ended up beating the Washington Capitals in seven games. Game seven in Washington did the same thing to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Game seven in Pittsburgh. But then finally they got back down to earth in the third round versus the Florida Flyer with the Florida versus the Philadelphia Flyers. And they had very little gas left in the tank. And I said, you know what? Maybe this is the exact same story with the Florida Panthers and Bobrovsky has taken a page out of Halleck's book. Well, the more and more these playoffs go on, it doesn't look like Bobrovsky's taking a page out of Halleck's book. It looks like Bobrovsky's taking a page out of Patrick Roy's book. And these Florida Panthers look more and more like the 93 Canadians and not the 2010 Canadians. They are, they look like a team of destiny, really. They look like a team of destiny. It's unbelievable. And it looks like, you know what, uh, they, they could dispose of these Carolina Hurricanes in a hurry the way the Canadians disposed of the New York Islanders in five games back in 1993, uh, to think that Barkov did not return for period number two with an injury, and the Florida Panthers are holding on to a one nothing lead after two. I have the TV on with one eye on the screen, and uh, I'll basically map out a play-by-play for you, or um, we'll just tell you what's going on uh, with Eric Engels of Sportsnet.ca. How you doing, Eric? Doing great. How are you? Very, very good. Is your uh, do you have a different setting tonight or what? Is that uh, I'm in my in my new home. <laughs> you're in your new home. So I'm every time home, we've yeah. done this, you were in your old home or previous home or that's correct. All right, okay. So when did you move? I moved last Friday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that looks like a nice place, Eric. It's a nice place. Yeah. Good for very, you. Very happy. Good yeah. for you. Thank you. Yeah. You don't have to tell me where you live, but how far are you from LaSalle? Not too far. Probably no. 15 minutes away. Is that I'll, right? I'll invite, since you're so healthy, I'll invite you over for a, a wonderful like barbecue salad type of situation. Make sure you, you know get what? your proteins, your veg. You know what? I don't mind the barbecue salad. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I'm actually um, I'm looking forward to a lot of barbecue in this summer. I love the barbecue. And Who, does? uh, Who doesn't? My wife doesn't. Really? Yeah, because... She just finds, or up until a couple of weeks ago, she didn't think that cleaning the barbecue with the brush was, um, she was, she was, she was worried about it, right? She saw some of these horror stories on the internet and stuff like that, where the bristles break and then all of a sudden it finds yourself in your food and whatever. And we discovered VPR impacts. Which is um, which is vapor, right? It's a hot. It's basically steam. Anyway, you check out vprimpex.com. It's uh, ecological products. Uh, there it is. Dry vapor cleaning technology allows you to clean and disinfect surfaces faster and more efficiently without the need for harsh chemicals. 
and they do residential and commercial. They're at 16641 Hymas. So once again, it's vprmpex.com. And and this this product is no really it's 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 absolutely fantastic. I gotta get some. That no, 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 it's it's basically it's it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a uh, it's, it's it's it 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 looks like a uh, looks like an industrial vacuum. Put it this way. Um, when it comes with a hose with different attachments, and uh, it spits out this 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 vapor, this hot steam, and you can you can you know spray your beds to avoid bed bugs. You can clean all surfaces, walls, residential, commercial, and it comes with certain attachments, and it can clean your barbecue. So ever since we got amazing uh, the Vapore D50, we just spray it on the vacuum, and now all of a sudden, my wife is on the uh, barbecue bandwagon. As well, so, which is it's excellent. So she anyway, can come too. Uh, thank you, I appreciate it. You know what? We might just take you up on that offer, Eric. I hope so. I, le- I will for sure. She's kind of the shy type, but anyway, uh, I tell her just get being shy bring gets you nothing nothing in life. But you know what? That she is what she is. That's what she um, has you for. Uh, you're right about that. Florida one nothing over Carolina. We are uh, almost uh, two minutes into period number three. It's uh, it's it's the story that just keeps on giving. I guess the series is not going the way I thought it would. Yeah, you and me both. And and by the <laughs> way, Rod Brindamore doesn't get rattled all that often. And it seems like Sergey Bobrovsky is getting to everyone, Brindamore included. Brindamore looks like yeah. he looks like it's like I don't know how to solve these guys. It's got to be frustrating because the details have not exactly slipped out of Carolina's game. They're playing the the style that they want to play. They're playing the way they want to play. They're having a hard time getting to Bobrovsky, and I mean physically getting yeah. there, getting in front of the net, be able to capitalize on whatever few rebound opportunities are there. But this guy is so locked in. He's totally in the zone, and it's pretty impressive, especially considering what his rep was, you know, a couple of struggling years in Florida. He's put up a lot of wins, but he's been inconsistent in terms of the level that we know he could play at. Yeah. One thing that I always thought about Bobrovsky when he was, yeah. I was talking about this on Martin LeMay's show today on, on BPM Spall, which you, you do some work with as well. Yeah, which, and, starts, um, at, uh, which starts at 3.30 p.m. weekdays, Monday to Friday. Yeah, so we do a segment, Shock Daisy Day, I was on with Jason Palmerville today, and I was saying, you know, like, Every time you hear about a goalie being fallible, it's mm-hmm. always, all oh, you know, we found a hole and all the goals are going in blocker side. It's like every yeah. goalie is weak on their blocker side. Like, yeah. really, like obviously, that's the weaker side. That's the harder side to make saves on. Yeah. This guy has the best blocker side and it, out of any goaltender in the NHL. Mind you, I think like Vasilevsky is every single goal that he gave up these playoffs. I think was on the blocker side. Yeah, I mean, there was one yeah, that was an exception. But take pick take any goaltender, and you're going to try and score on them on that side more often than the glove side. It's just normal unless you're dealing with a, a you know lefty goalie. Then it's a different yeah. situation. The blocker yeah. save he made on Aho, which is probably one of them that you're alluding to, by the way, was unbelievable. It's just I, I talked about it earlier today right so it's not even to do with this game it's just i remember just go back you know four or five years when bobrovsky was among the top three goalies in the league and that was one thing that really stood out to me about the guy is like he is so fast on that side yeah um it's a really dangerous that's that's what can make you one of the best is if you you cover up the place where everybody knows there's always been a hole so I just – he's been playing out of his mind, and he just looks so calm in there, and it's such a relaxing kind of influence that all great goalies have. And um, Florida needs him. You know, they, they need him yeah. to be that good, and he's been that good, and they're playing a beast of a team. And, you know, I thought Carolina was going to win the Cup. 
I thought that during the first round of the way they were playing and, and then in the second round, the way they dismantled the Devils, who were just a point behind them in the standings, they made yeah. it look like there was a what I wrote, a Grand Canyon-sized chasm yeah. between both teams. And, like, the fact that they lost those two games at home is yeah. a killer because they've always been such a strong home team in the playoffs, and uh, you know they yeah. have a harder time on the road. And now it's one nothing Florida, provided it still is. It's going on behind me. I can't see it. Yeah, um, and they're in big trouble. If Carolina yeah. wins the cup and the Denver Nuggets win the NBA championship, a thousand and sixty nine dollars. Uh, that's one. Do I have uh, any other ones on? Uh, that's it. What'd you bet? A, a penny? Uh, no, that one there, uh, $50, <laughs> 50 bucks to win a yeah, thousand and sixty nine. Yeah. For Carolina to win the, uh, the cup and the Denver nuggets to win the championship. You need to score a couple yeah. goals. So when you're you saying that you thought Carolina was win the cup, like we're going to win the cup. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that would be nice. Mind uh, you, I got, a, I got, I got another parlay. You ready for this other one? Uh, I don't like my chances though. Miami heat to win the NBA championship. That's obviously a possibility. And the Dallas Stars. So I have a parlay there, and I don't like Dallas's mm. chances right now. If that comes in, that one's twenty three hundred. So anyway, you know what's going to happen, right? Obviously, uh, Dallas is not going to win, and Carolina is not going to win, and uh, yeah, you know, Florida is going to win, or Vegas is going to win, and I'm not going to make any money. You know, we were just talking about. We were just talking about. Yeah, I was just talking about Bobrovsky. Yeah, if Jake Ottinger can find the level that we all know he can play at, yeah that series is far from over, but he better find it. He better find it. Well, they say you're not in trouble until you lose one on home ice. I still don't like when you're down two games to nothing, though, no. whether you're going home or wherever you're Neither going. Neither do they. But, you know, they. I, I, it's hard to say that they've been the better team because they've lost both, but they, they too, they have not played badly. Like, if you one bounce uh, were, here or there, I mean. They were definitely the better team in the second game. Yeah, like, we're really talking about a game of inches here in both these series. I mean, both these series, Carolina could be up two games to nothing, and Dallas could be up two games to nothing, and they're both down. It's absolutely crazy. It's crazy, man. It's crazy also considering the quality of the teams and the way they started these series, you know, just as prohibitive kind of favorites, yeah. despite Florida looking like a team of destiny and Vegas obviously doing a great job against Edmonton. Like, yeah, Dallas is... Yeah, both both those teams just have all the elements to win, um, and it just goes to show you how close the NHL is these days. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's, you it know what we're noticing. Being... What you know what we're noticing with the Florida Panthers, Eric? Uh, they're more the team that they were a year ago than they were this past season. Yeah. That's the first thing we're noticing, and the second thing we're noticing is the Bobrovsky of five years ago is back. Yeah, I I, I think there's something to be said. You know, Florida's kind of made a great. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass reinforcement of the value of analytics. There's a lot of people in the analytics world that would have told you through the first half of the season while Canadians fans were kind of licking their chops about potentially getting a second bottom 10 pick Mm -hmm. that analytically Florida was way underperforming what their analytics actually said about them. Mm -hmm. 
And Paul Maurice even mentioned himself. He said, you know, we were winning games when I was in Winnipeg and our analytics were terrible and that's all I ever heard about it. Well, now our analytics are incredible and we can't seem to buy a win. Um, and it turned around. Yeah. Maybe it made him even more of a believer, right? Like, <laughs> because they stuck with their guns and started finding, yeah. you know, a bit more luck and better goaltending and boom, you know, it hit. Yeah. That team has the, you know, how many teams could you say, honestly, going through these playoffs had what it took to potentially win this year. There, there was a lot of them. There was a lot. Would you re- really have sized up Toronto and been like, they can't win this year? I, I thought, they I, had I thought Toronto could have won. I thought the Rangers had a lot of elements too. And, and for those who, for those who mock the Rangers, because obviously they're easy to mock, they got eliminated in the first round and lost to the New Jersey devils. I mean, just think of this for a second. Okay. Shesterkin in goal. Uh, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba. Yeah, their D is loaded. Schneider and Lindgren on defense. Yeah. Down the middle of the ice. Uh, Lindgren was the last guy you named and possibly the, the most important after Truba for the style yeah. you need to win with. But, yes. Yeah. The, Down I mean, the middle they, of the ice, Zabanichad, so Trocek, Schittle. On yeah. the wings, Panarin, Tarasenko, Kreider. Patrick Kane, a kid line that had Kako and Lafreniere on the third line. Like, I thought they had, like, so many elements. Yep. Big disappointment. Huge. The Oilers, you know, the, the Oilers picking up Ekholm was like, okay, like, they actually might, might yeah. really do some damage. Yeah. And this is saying nothing of the Colorado Avalanche, who won the Cup last year. Yeah. <laughs> and lost to... Seattle, which watching them play through the first two rounds and the way they were getting goaltending was kind of like they could win. You know, so I look at Carolina, I look at Dallas and say to myself, okay, these are the two teams to me that, but I mean, are we really going to denigrate Florida and Vegas? I mean, these two teams are, are beasts. They're, they're incredible teams. Yeah. So the, 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 net, the parity that Gary Batman was hoping to establish is, is, is pretty well established. And it should make you excited if you're a fan of like any team, because as the elements come together, what Mark Bergman always used to say, which was a good sales line, that if you make it, anything can happen, has never been truer than it is right now. If you make the playoffs, anything can happen. Like the LA Kings, even this year, looking the way they play and what they have in the pipeline, that that's going to be yeah. a really dangerous team for years. Yeah. New Jersey, really dangerous yeah. team for years. Buffalo's coming. Ottawa's coming. And Montreal is a little bit further behind, but you could see the yeah. elements coming together that inevitably when they have the team, like look at the blue line. Uh, yeah. They find a goaltender, you know, watch out. Yeah, we're going to talk about goaltending and the Canadians in just a minute, but seeing as we're talking Florida Panthers, uh, did you did you see the whole Radko Gouda story? I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to, okay. so I'd to well, tell me well, No, Well, you know, I just saw it recently, to tell you the truth. But uh, on Twitter, there's a user, Canes, please win, C-A-N-E-S-P-L-S, win, Uh that published a screenshot, published two pictures. One is a screenshot of Ratko Gudis' home address. Oh. And the other picture is the picture of a bomb. And uh, so, obviously, this has been taken extremely seriously. And When did uh, this when, happen? When did this uh, develop? 
It must have happened uh, a day or two ago because uh, once the Panthers arrived back in Florida, uh, police was um, waiting for the club to ensure their security. And Gudis was taken to a uh, an undisclosed location. Uh, he and uh, his family to make sure that uh, they would be uh, safe. Uh, that's crazy, man. That you know is absolutely you, crazy. You know how you hear stories about how somehow the guy that is like the biggest prick on the ice is known as like the best guy on the like team. The like the nicest person. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you speak to anybody who has ever been a teammate of Radko Gudis's, that is how they will describe him. They will tell really, you yeah. that he's one of the best guys and just a great guy, super nice guy, good friend. Like I've spoken to many people who have played with him who absolutely love him. And I'll tell you something. Yeah. I watch him play. I, I didn't have even an ounce of respect for what he did with Joseph Wall coming out of the Toronto series, screaming in his face as they score the winning goal. That to me is I, I that's bullshit. Well, the series is over, right? You don't have to. But I will tell you that if I was building a hockey team, I would want that guy on my blue line any day. I would take him any day. He is just a nasty, not funny. Is he dirty? Sure. Is he nasty? Sure. But he's a type of player that you win with. You know, if I were to throw back to like when I was growing up watching hockey and guys that I absolutely hated but would have loved to have seen them play for my team like he reminds me a lot of Darius Kasparaitis like Romanov used to draw the comparisons to Kasparaitis and there was no comparison to be made other than that he played the game tough but Kasparaitis could really get under your skin uh, and and he could you know he could border on the dirtiness uh, yeah there and and i just he was such a competitor and such a good player too yeah and gudis is not a plug he's a good player oh samuelson um, was dirty too i don't know what the analytics say about gudis i haven't looked them up I, I doubt they they favor him and suggest that he's one of the best defensemen in the world i'm not suggesting that either but he is a nasty piece of work Racco gudis is um remember the way mark bergevin used to view analytics he would say that you know he would he would um he would take it into consideration, but he believed in the eye test, right? And, and uh, you know, some of the defensemen that uh, Mark Bergevin had, uh, Sherrod Edmondson, um, you know, Shea Weber, I'm not so sure how they did in the analytics world, but probably not great either. Not well. But those, those are the, the kinds of defensemen that, that Bergevin had. And, you know, he, Racco Gudis would be his kind of defenseman, you would think. Speaking of which, um, your colleague, Elliot Friedman, has linked Mark Bergevin's name as a candidate with the Toronto Maple Police, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised, really, because uh, he's got general manager experience. He was a general manager with the Montreal Canadiens in a big market, which was Montreal, for nine and a half years. Um, Brendan Shanahan made it clear that you know the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Police in an ideal world is going to have experience and uh, I, I just, you know, like, man, Mark Bergevin would be really interesting in Toronto. When Mark Bergevin got fired in Montreal, uh, I was told very shortly after that, don't be surprised if for whatever reason change happens in Toronto, that his name pops up there. And uh, I, I even went on Toronto radio and talked about that through our Sportsnet networks and people were freaking out. 
Um, I would suggest that if you go back two years or even a year ago in terms of what Toronto would have needed, to, like he would have been the right GM to add what they would have needed to take them over the top. Um, just the type of defenseman, like you mentioned before, that that he has always valued and understood, and maybe it's, it's a product of how he was as a player. Um, you know, Kyle... Dubas did a phenomenal job and he did a fantastic job this year. Like it, it the whole situation that evolved in Toronto clearly speaks to some sort yeah. of massive rift that happened between Brendan Chenna and Kyle Dubas, like something. Yeah. This is, this got to a level where there was no walking it back. That's very clear. Yeah. Um, but, but it, are you, 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 you going to sit here and tell me you didn't build a team that was good enough to win? I mean, like, yeah, you get, the, you get, well, based on what uh, Shanahan said, uh, a couple of days ago, I mean, on Friday, Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon, you get the feeling that uh, Kyle Dubas's press conference got him fired. I think it was more than that. I, I think there was some history between the two of them, and clearly, some things happened over the last couple of years that, and and I think the reports are getting out there about it. And yeah, at the end of the day, he's out. He's going to end up being a GM somewhere else in the league, despite what he had said during his own press conference. And whoever yeah. gets him is going to be extremely fortunate. He's did you see his Twitter account today, by the way? Kyle Dubas? Yeah. I did not. I was not on yeah. Twitter today. Okay. So there's a snapshot of him a couple of days ago prior to Friday's press conference and a snapshot today of the followers and who he was following and who he unfollowed. So he unfollowed followed two in particular. Guess who? Toronto Maple Leafs and Brendan Shanahan. Well, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> you just wherever he ends up, wherever he ends up, they're going to be very lucky to have him. And you know, I don't. Know I, that, I think he ends up in Pittsburgh if he wants it. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty obvious one right there. Um, yeah. The funny thing is, is if you wanted full autonomy in um, Toronto, which mm-hmm. would have been understandable from a hockey ops perspective. You know, how much does he I, have? I would, I, would, I would give Kyle Dubas full autonomy before I gave it to Brendan Shanahan. Well, I would too. But at the, at the end of the day, I'm thinking about Pittsburgh and maybe he has it from a technical standpoint. But you think about how much Crosby and Malkin dictate and Latang and the contracts and where they're at dictates what will be done with that team. It's not like he can come in and say, I'm tearing the whole thing down. You got no other um, choice but to patch and add to the team as long as those you guys have to are retool. There. Pittsburgh is an automatic yeah. retool job. Yeah. Because they just are you going to sully what you could potentially have with those three guys under contract? Yeah. It's it's complicated, it's messy. I don't think they're ever going to win again. If he goes there, uh, I don't know, ever. I mean with that core, um, you know, in a retool, I think it would mm-hmm. be extremely difficult for them to compete with what all the emerging teams that we just spoke about and the ones that are even contending this year. Um, as for Burge in Toronto, mm-hmm. it would, it would surprise me if only that I like, it would surprise me if Mark really wanted to do it. Like, because it's, it's, it's because like, it's such a high pressure environment yeah, just that he just got out of Montreal. And yeah. like we're hearing about Tree also, and and I, he'd be a leading candidate for me too. I think Brad Living did a fantastic. You know, there's some Calgary fans that were will vehemently disagree with me. Like he was dealt a shit sandwich with the Kachuk situation, and like pulls out Huberdeau and Uyghur out of that deal, signs Kadri, um, 
moves Monahan off the books, yes, it costs him a first-round pick to do it. I mean, what GM yeah. in the world wouldn't have done that to be able to sign Nazem Kadri coming out yeah. of the cup? I mean, he 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 did an unbelievable job. Yeah. Um, I think he probably wanted to fire Sutter and didn't have the authority to and ends up in a situation where he's out and Sutter's out now uh, weeks later, you know, I think Brad. I think the world of Brad Living as a GM. I think yeah. he's a fantastic GM and an unbelievable yeah. person to deal with. I have a lot of respect for him, and I, I again look at him and say, you know, ten years in Calgary, like, is, yeah. is, you want to step into this in Toronto, like, inherit this. There's, there's two sides of it, right? Yeah. You're either inheriting the the highest pressure you can possibly be under with the history and everything that's gone on there and where yeah. that team is at and the major moves that need to be made. Or the other is you get to put your stamp on turning around what seems like a cursed franchise. Yeah. Like, but I want to get back to Bergeret for a second. Look, yeah. I have no idea whether he would take it or not. I'm not in communication with him right now, unfortunately. But I'm just going to go on my gut, okay? My gut, tell, first of all, I mean, you show anybody the money, and then all of a sudden they can change their mind in a hurry. Um, and money's not a problem for MLSE. Uh, just ask uh, Lorenzo Insigne and uh, and uh, <laughs> just ask Brendan Shannon. <laughs> yeah, just ask Brendan Shannon. All right, so now um, it's um, he'd have to add to the team. He'd have to, you know, patch a little bit. You don't have to go through a rebuild. You don't have to go through a retool. There's maybe one element missing. Maybe two tops. Um. You just you get the feeling that most of the work is already done. You get the feeling that Mark is probably not happy with the way things ended in Montreal, even though that was a couple of years ago. You probably just get the feeling that that'll stick with him for a while. And a Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup since the Canadians last won it back in 1993. And could you imagine Mark Bergevin going to Toronto and winning a Stanley Cup with the Toronto Maple like, Leafs? I could. I could because what he values is what's been missing in Toronto. I'm going to tell you a story. When the Montreal Canadiens traded for Joel Edmondson's rights and signed yeah. him, yeah. you know, the scouts got in and, and said, we got to get this guy before that happened. This is a guy that the type of guy that we need, and they were told like stop bringing this guy's name up. He doesn't play our brand. That's those are the players that have been missing. Who was the most reliable option for the Toronto Maple Leafs on defense in the playoffs? It was Morgan Riley playing with who? Like with who? It was Luke Shen, who's a poor man's version of the guys that were in Montreal that helped yeah. them go to the final. Muzzin was um, injured. With, he could have been no the guy, right? With, with no disrespect to Luke Shen, who played yeah. quite well. Um, but, like, after that, did they have a defenseman you could trust on the ice? For the, Muzzin injury, the, the Muzzin injury hurts. Like, Muzzin killed uh, – that Muzzin injury killed them. It yeah. killed them when they played Montreal. As soon as he went down, I will tell yeah. you that half the Montreal Canadiens knew they had won the series right there. Uh, you know, a guy like Tyler Toffoli had played with him, knew right away, like, Muzzin's down, we're, we got this. Like, it's a game six, he's down, and we're going and, and we're going to beat these guys. Like, they knew. Yeah. Well, Tavares they, was out too, right? They they haven't just – they just haven't valued those players over the last number of years, and it's it's killed them. Like it's actually five minutes left, by the way, five minutes left. Florida is still hanging on to a one nothing lead versus Carolina. Who's out shooting Florida 30 to 17. Have they had any power plays in this? Cause that 
call uh, on yeah. Martin for slashing Kachuk's stick out of his hands while he's holding it with one hand it was just a total embarrassment. Like, have they gotten some calls or? I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to put on NHL.com and just, it's, it's unbelievable. All right. Speaking of the Florida Panthers and Sergey Bobrovsky, you know, was a former teammate of his. Well, Michael Matheson is one and Mike Hoffman is the other, but so is Samuel Montembeau, who would like to have a contract extension with the Montreal Canadiens. So a couple of questions. Uh, what number do you see for Samuel Montembeau? And, you know, what do you think his ceiling is? I think his ceiling is a really good 1B. A really good 1B. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think his ceiling is. So his number would naturally be tied to that. And I'd have to really go deep dive, look at who qualifies in that position to suggest what would be a contract based on his age. And so I'm, I'm not going to give you a number. I don't want to. Is Jake that. Allen a 1B? Not anymore. No. Jake Allen's a 2. Was he a 1B when he signed the contract at an extension of what I think was 3.875? He was a 1B for for where they were at and, and you know, where they were at in their development and the plan that they were building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who could play, you know, half the games, uh, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Not anymore. And now that's Sam. And Sam has the ability to become a really good 1B. I think that's his ceiling, but I wouldn't put it past him to surpass my own expectations or anybody else's. I, I think he played some games this year that really showed he's got some he's got a lot more to him than a lot of people would have assumed. And that's uh that's important. But if you're going to be a team that inevitably competes for the playoffs and contends for the Stanley Cup, you're going to need a goaltender who's better than he is. Um, not necessarily by much, but enough to put him in that chair where he'd be quite comfortable, I think. I think that's what he proved this year, that he can mm-hmm. actually be quite comfortable as a 1B and, and really give you something that's real quality. It's not hard to find a comparable. Yeah. You think his contract's tradable? Jake? Yeah. Yes. Do I think he will be traded between now and the beginning of next season? No. I don't think that'll be necessary. I think if the Canadians have to go into next season with three goaltenders on their roster to start, they'll do it. Um, you know, this is the system that they're in, unfortunately. It's the reason they got Sam Montombo. You know, that the situation they're at with Primo, where he ends up waiver eligible, um, it's a tough system. And and that's why, you know, Florida didn't want to lose Montombo, no matter what Canadian mm-hmm. fans thought of him when he came here. And most yeah. of them thought very little about of him. Florida liked the goaltender and thought that he'd be a good goaltender and wanted yeah. to hang on to him. And and they lost him because of the system. And Montreal's facing that situation. And if for whatever reason, it ends up that they lose Caden, Caden Primo. Um, they're not going to be happy about it. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Is there urgency for them to trade Jake Allen to avoid that situation? I don't think so. Is he tradable? Yes. I, I do believe he's tradable. His, his rather... contract is not an albatross. And there is plenty of... Yeah teams out there that could use a quality veteran like Jake Allen. And and by the way, it's easy to look at like when Jake wasn't at his best. Yeah. He played some very good games for a Canadian team in front of him that was not nearly good enough for him to be winning them. Like you're right about that. Pulled out some wins. He's he's a great he's just a great veteran. 
and yeah. a reliable goaltender uh, and put in the right chair can be a real contributor at a contract that is not prohibitive at all. Yeah, so, and, and I, I recognize that, but if there's a risk of losing Caden Primo, and I, maybe a lot of people are watching are like, yeah, they're willing to take that risk because they don't think his career will amount to much in the National Hockey League, but uh, it takes goalies a little bit longer. I saw some well, very encouraging signs down the stretch with the Laval Rocket, and if um, trading Jake Allen if possible, would mean that you're not going to lose Caden Primo. I'd rather do that than lose Caden Primo because yeah. now all of a sudden you got three goalies. And I think the Canadians would too, and it's it's something that, you know, if they have to explore it, they will, or if they have to buy themselves some time. Like I said, they, they'll go into the season with three goaltenders on their roster like Buffalo did and figure it out at a later point, and injuries happen, and all of a sudden the spot mm-hmm. is free. Like, there's no... They're not going to be pressed into doing something that's bad for them. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, um, like, I'll tell you about Caden. Yeah. Like, I would caution anybody who thinks that the Canadians should just risk losing him for nothing. Uh, a lot of the people who were clamoring for Sam Montombo to be anointed the number one goaltender of the Canadians after, like, three good games this year were the same ones who said he is never going to be an NHL goal. They're the same people. Um, you know, I speak to Eric Raymond a lot at hockey games, the goaltending coach of the Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens. Yeah. And uh, we spoke plenty about Primo, and he has very high hopes for the goaltender. He still believes he will be a very, very good goaltender in the National Hockey League. And it's easy to look at the body of work so far and say we're not sure. Um, but it's also easy to forget what this player was before he was wrestled out of college and came to the Canadians. Uh, and what people were saying about him then and what they felt the potential was. And just because he hasn't lived up to it um, to the degree that they would hope over the first couple of years, like, man, he was in an impossible situation last year with the Canadians when they yeah. couldn't play in front of him and they had no choice but to keep him in the net. And, you know, he comes up this year, Montombo catches a heater. He's coming off a concussion. He can't even get into a yeah. game. He's, it's this is a hard position to look as good as you want to look on a nightly basis. And the cream rises to the top. And and there are a lot of people that still believe within the inner circles, including the Canadians goaltending coach that Caden Primo could have, could be the cream. He could, he could be a number one in this league. I don't know if I agree, but I'm yeah. not a goaltending expert. Yeah, speaking of goaltending, now three minutes and 22 seconds left in regulation. Florida leads the Carolina Hurricanes one nothing. The shots are 31-17 to 17 for Carolina. The best player in this game, without question, is Florida Panthers goalie Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, it, it's, it's really, he looks, you know how he looks right now? Yes. He looks like Dominic Kasich looked in the Nagano Olympics. He looks a little calmer than that. He looks. Yeah. He, he looks. He just looks like it's. Gonna he looks be. like if you had to put an odds board together for who's yeah. going to win the Conn Smythe, he's like number one, far and clear ahead of anybody else. And you know, I was asked today, like, who's he's, a, the he's, a, he's, a, he's ahead of Matthew Kachuk, but I would yeah. say that Matthew Kachuk would be number two. Yeah, by a lot. Like yeah. he's ahead of Matthew Kachuk by a lot, and you can make the argument that Alex Lyon started the playoffs for Florida, but I mean. And Matthew Kachuk also went six, seven games without a goal at some point. So I just don't think there's anybody really close right now to what Bobrovsky's at in that race. Um, looking at the other conference, it's hard to distinguish 
you know, one guy, you know, you could pick a guy for each team. Vegas is kind of a tricky one. Yeah. Dallas, I think Joe Pavelski would have a pretty strong claim. Carolina, they've been all over the map, but Aho has been quite consistent. You know, he's, yeah, just, he just tried to be Bobrovsky from like a, like a shot, like a little bit from a bad angle. One of those where you try and shoot it off the shoulder and try and bank it in or whatever. The He's Carolina Hurricanes have pulled their goalie, by the way, with just under three minutes to go. Like they're just they're going for it now. Like in they, the first they period, a- man. Like he had like Aho had like three really good scoring chances. Like yeah, he's just Bobrovsky's been phenomenal. I I almost feel like we should watch these uh, two and a half minutes together, Eric. So they've pulled the goalie. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have, and uh, we'll see what happens here. They're buzzing. They got the puck in the Florida zone. Florida, by the way, getting in the way of, 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 of shots. They're doing a great job of, of blocking some shots. Uh, Panthers get it out of here. It goes down the ice. It looks like it's gonna not going to be able to make it all the way to the end. It avoids the icing, uh, so it's waved off. Uh, Carolina's got the puck behind their own net, and uh, once again, they're going to come out. It's Costas Fair, who just took a stick to the face, by the way, went down. Looks like he's trying to draw a penalty. No penalty called, and the Florida Panthers have scored it in the empty net. Wow, this is going to create a little bit of controversy because Gostas Fair went down. Uh, you know, the Florida Panthers are complaining about it right now, saying, what in the world is going on here? We're getting high-sticked in the face. And uh, are, are the refs going to call anything here? Uh, Whoa. Oh, that's a high-stick. That's crazy. a high-stick. Yeah, Gostas Fair clearly got high-stick. Let me see. He got high-stick for sure. Right in front of the eyes of the official, by the way. Right in front of the eyes of the official. The referees are talking about it now. They're discussing it. This is one of those things where you'd like to see this come back. You'd like to see it come back. I know a lot of people don't like review. But I'm all about getting it right, man. I don't care about slowing down the game. Just get it right. I like. I find it embarrassing with something like high sticking that all four officials on the ice can call. Like, what's the point of having four of them out there if all four of them are going to miss it? You're telling it's, me. You're telling me. I agree with you 100. percent Just get in the way. One day there will. One day there will not be any officials on the ice at all. Right in front of the ref. One, I would take one less. Right in front of the ref. Oh, yeah, stick comes up right in the face. I mean, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but, I mean, it's a high stick. It is what it is. It's an automatic call. Yeah, yeah. The ref was waving. Like, at one point when they were shooting the puck, he was going like this, actually. He was waving his arms. So it's no goal? It doesn't look like it's a goal because Paul Maurice is, Paul Maurice is arguing it, and, and I don't have the volume up on the TV, but this looks like no goal here. Well, good. It shouldn't be a goal. Also, they've got a lot of time with an empty net to score a goal. I'm not talking Cam- about Florida here. Cameras focused on uh, Florida Panthers general manager Bill Zito, who, by the way, in a short amount of time, it's unbelievable what he's done. Unbelievable. Has a chance to be another play- a former player agent who goes GM and wins the Stanley Cup, right? Pierre Lacroix did it with the Colorado Avalanche. So goal call back. Empty net. Florida gets the puck, try and clear it, put it in the empty net. No, it gets blocked. Picked up by the Florida Panthers again. 
shoot it down the ice, intercept it, Nesh Cash now behind the net. And let's see the uh, Carolina Hurricanes break out here. Minute 45 left in regulation. Shoot it down the ice. You're behind me. Am I, eh? I've got 134 left. Really? So don't tell me how it ends. (laughs) Icing. Icing. This is going to be a great end to the game. This has been a great game for a 1-0 game, by the way. This is a great game for a 1-0 game. You know what I'm wondering, though? This concerns me, all right? As much as Bobrovsky has been great, Eric, I don't want Florida to win the Cup in a way. In a way. Because if the goalie's going to be the best player again, then it's going to lead players to believe that the position they're going to have to invest the most in is probably going to be goaltending and the, 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 the style of play is going to have to be defensive. You want to see yeah. offense win it, but unfortunately, I mean, that went on the window when uh, Toronto got eliminated and when Edmonton got eliminated. Yeah, Florida's not exactly a clamp-down defensively style of team. Although Where are you? Did, did you did, are you in the bathroom or something, or what's the story with you? I'm over on the side being able to watch the game here. Oh, okay. <laughs> By the way, you have, a, you have a TV that would have been right behind you. How many TVs do you have in that room? Just one. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, blew a tire. Here we go. Missed that empty net. This one looks all but over, man. 30 seconds left in regulation. This one looks all but over. Carolina can't even get out of their zone anymore. They are rattled, man. They are seriously rattled. You know what? Marc-Andre Perot, he had it, man. He goes, I can't go against the Florida Panthers. I'm taking Florida. There's no way the Panthers are going to blow a 3-0 series late. This game's there. Well, they've got one now. It's over. It's over. Wow. Whew. I am happy I didn't bet on this. Wow. This is unreal. Yeah, they're a win away from the Stanley Cup final. They are a win away from the Stanley Cup final. What's going on? Look at Bobrovsky. Oh, my God. Something in the water in South Florida, and it's not just gators. This is unbelievable. Well, anyways, Tony. This is unbelievable. If South Florida wasn't a place to be already, now they even, even their hockey team is this good. This is incredible. Hockey, basketball. Look how excited Anthony Duclair looks. By the way, he's had a pretty good playoff. Good for him. Hey, Eric, this was a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime, okay? I'll talk to you again next Monday, it I guess. It was fun. It was fun. Right. You think Carolina will come back? <laughs> Not 3 nothing down, no. I don't no, think so. Look, Kakanyemi just slammed the stick. Yeah, yeah. We don't see him the whole game, and now he's slamming his stick. Look at look at Keith Kachuk. Did you see Keith Kachuk? I think he's the turning point in their season. It was one of them for sure. We'll talk to you again next week. Cheers, bud. Take care. All right, okay. Uh, Chris from uh, It's Now Time to Talk Six Sports Cards. Why don't we do that? Six Sports Cards. Presented by Sports La Tornade. Can't believe what I'm watching. It's unbelievable. Uh, six sports cards presented by Sports La Tornade, sports cards, collectibles, and more. Visit the store at 1 Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil de Lyon. As a matter of fact, um, Chris is going to be there on Sunday afternoon, and the SICK podcast will be there on Sunday afternoon as well. 
and Caden Gooley of the Montreal Canadiens and former Hab Yvonne Lambert will be there. That's correct. All right. Okay. On Sunday afternoon, when, what time exactly? They're going to be here from one till three. One to three. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You bring cannolis? Oh, I was going to ask you to do that. You would, know uh, naturally. Hot, you would know the hot spots. I wouldn't. Story of my life. I always <laughs> got to bring the cannolis. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're joined by a guest tonight, and why don't I uh, give you the honors of introducing him for us? Yeah, we're going to have a guest tonight. I think it's very important for the sports card world to uh, have this introduction. I, uh, I've been, as a store owner, as a, as a person who goes to a lot of sports card shows, the grading uh, has become very uh, important and very big in the hobby world. And I feel like everybody doesn't is doesn't really know where and what direction they're going. Uh, there's there's front runners in grading. Everyone seems to want to go with PSA, uh, Beckett. Where the everyone are the known ones that people want to go with. But uh, going forward in 2023, I think that PSA is what it's a company. PSA is a company. They've been grading for years and years and years, probably over 40 years. So um, here, uh, PSA ten. That's that's up until now. Up until that's kind of that's kind of like the highest grading you can get from the most reputable company type of thing. Absolutely. And right. the biggest the biggest question that I get is in my stores, people come in and say, "Chris, why is my PSA a nine? And you know what? I don't have the answer because PSA won't tell you why you have a nine. Oh, or, really? No. So. So let me you ask know. you this. When you when you have, uh, let's say, for example, when you buy a diamond ring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you know, you can get a, a VS, a VS1, VVS, whatever, different colors, GH, whatever, all that stuff. But when you get it graded, you, you'll get like a, a document and it will tell you why it's graded the way it's graded. Why? Because, you know, you, you probably have a flaw or you don't have a flaw, whatever. You don't get that in the gradient cards up until now with this whole PSA nine or PSA eight or PSA seven PSA will not tell you. The only thing that PSA has is a QR code on the back of their card that will tell you the population of how many nines there is, but you won't know. um, You won't know uh, why you have a nine or why you have an eight and the BGS, which is Beckett will give you just corners, edges, surface, uh, they'll give you four categories, but they don't go into any detail. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're we're years behind in the grading, and okay. I think that we really need to talk to our guest tonight because I found something. I think I found a gem, and I think we're going in the right direction with this company. All right. Okay. So uh, who are we going to speak with? Um, I would like to bring in Jeremy Lee, who is uh, now member of Tag Grading. And uh, I'll have uh, I'll have uh, Jeremy do a little introduction on tag grading. Jeremy, good evening. How are you? Good, Tony. Thank you for having me. Hello, Chris. You're Hi, very, Alan. very welcome. All right. Okay. So um, your company's tag grading is that it? That's right. Technical authentication and grading is the uh, is the name, and we go by tag taggrading.com. Uh, okay, fantastic. So, our uh, when did you when did you start this up? Well, I joined the company back in September. The company was actually created in 2011 or 12 by our CEO, Steve Cass out of Los Angeles. And uh, he started the company back then because he had a large sports card collection and he was retiring. 
his son wasn't interested in it and he started looking into how would he uh, eventually sell it off and he realized that to sell your collection uh, you need to get the cards graded and he realized that there were there was no no clear direction on how to do that so he had some cards graded by the companies that Chris mentioned uh, PSA Beckett and and another one mm-hmm. and he just saw that there was no consistency uh, either between these companies as to what would be a nine what would be a 10 and eight and so forth. Uh, nor did he find that there was consistency within the companies themselves. You could send the same card to them a couple times and get different grades each time. So he thought there must be a way to apply technology to grading. And 10 years later, uh, they rolled out their their technology, their, their AI machine learning grading system. And uh, I learned about them just over a year ago, had them on my my, my YouTube live stream, did a five episode series with them on, on I, I have a channel called Sports Cards Live. And uh after, as a consequence of doing those episodes and getting to know the team really well, working with them, uh, I, I became such a fan of what they were doing that I joined the company, and uh, here we are. All right. Uh, before I, I I ask you what kind of technology and what kind of equipment you use, you would think that this would have been something that would have existed already. Like, like in my mind, in my mind, I see like a card going under let's just say a machine that would probably look somewhat like a scanner or like a fax machine and probably take a scan or take a a copy of it and it gives you out a printout i mean is it is it that easy or not and and why why hasn't something like this a so what is it? What's the technology? Like, explain it to yeah, me. Yeah, we well, yeah, we call it an image capture machine. It's it's not a scanner. It does not as it does not. Uh, our image capture method is not as you just sort of described. It's not a scanner like a typical bzz, bzz scanner. Yeah, it's actually uh, a lens that hangs above the card. There's over two thousand LED light bulbs strategically placed in there, and uh, and it takes several pictures which are then, and listen, I'm not the CTO. I don't even work in the office. I work remotely. I understand. So, so I'm not going to be able to, to do justice to the technology, but um, I'll just leave it to say that it's it's a box and we capture the imagery and then yeah. all the data goes through our our proprietary system that is that took 10 years to develop. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it spits out what we call our DIG report, digital image and grading report. And we, yeah. it shows you all the, uh, we, we measure, we grade the card on, I think it's 83 different metrics. So you get 83 different scores along wow. with summarized scores on centering edges, corners, surface. We also give the, the dimensions of the card to the thousandth of an inch and, um, you have some stereoscopic photometric imaging, of, uh, so you can actually see how our system sees the sees the card. We also give you an image defect map, so you can see exactly where the defects are on the card. And then we also uh, give you high res scans, so that you can just take those and share them on social media or list them on online marketplaces, whatever you want to do. Uh, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, I caught up with you. Uh, you had a booth set up at uh, Stadigia. And if memory serves me well, when I was walking by, I actually saw somebody or a company grading some cards. Was 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 that Tag or was that another company that was do, you know, that had their own setup? That that was another company at that show. Okay, uh, I, I had I had two showcases of Tag cards at my booth at the okay. Montreal at the Montreal show. There was not uh, there was not a Tag booth per se. 
Okay. But uh, I, you know, I tried to bring as much as we as I could. But uh, yeah, the the I'll let Jeremy explain it more. But how tag is not officially open yet, or it's coming. So okay. I'll let Jeremy. But, but, but before that. we get to that, let me ask you this, Chris: yeah. the technology that uh, that Jeremy just talked to us about that they have, of course, uh, and I would imagine they have a patent on it and all that stuff. But is it is it is 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 it somewhat to a certain degree being copied? I with all the patents and the, and if I can, if the history uh, that I've uh, that I've looked into and the timelines, I think that there's a lot of people that might think they can copy i don't think it's something that can be easily copied it wasn't done overnight it wasn't uh some guy on the side side street that decided oh i can i can scan a card and just put it through a machine this machine is actually uh very well uh, thought out process is done properly all the homework has been done as far as mm-hmm. i uh, uh from what i've followed and that's why i've put a lot of time into knowing more about it and the interest mm-hmm. is, is is there because of that all right jeremy uh so talk to us about this company what blew you away for you to say you know what i'm really interested in what they're doing i, I think i want to go work for these guys yeah well we talk about patents uh tag grading we have four grade four granted utility patents 134 patent claims and and counting uh what happened was I met these guys at the Chicago National in 2021. Uh, they approached me, wanted to show me what they were up to. And after seeing their presentation, I thought, well, this looks like exactly what the hobby needs. Uh, consistent and transparent, reproducible grading. It's something that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. As Chris said earlier, you know, you get a card graded by any of the incumbent grading companies and they don't tell you why you got that grade. And uh, a lot of people don't like that and find that it's... Uh, it's not a, a complete service offering. So mm-hmm. uh, when, after I met them in Chicago, summer of 2021, kept in touch with them. And then in February, they reached out to me and they said, hey, we're ready to reveal ourselves to the hobby. We would like to do that on your podcast. And I said, well, that sounds great. But before I align my brand with yours, I want to, I got to vet you. So I flew down to Los Angeles and I, and I saw, and I was at their facility, I spent two days there. And I was absolutely blown away by just how far along they were with their setup, how how professional they are, detail-oriented. But mm-hmm. it was really in the product and the thought behind it that really impressed me, as well as the people. So, you know, grading typically is done by humans, and it's evolved over time. Chris said earlier, you know, PSA has been in the, they They were early, early on in the business, probably came around in 1993, 94. Beckett followed a couple of years later. And they started out with a great team of graders over at PSA. At Tag Grading, we actually have one of their one of their uh, original or earliest senior graders who was there for nine years is our lead grader and has been with our company for 10 years now. And part of the, the team that has been working with the AI development company to help develop the process so and the technology. The slab, you, Tony, you have to think about, you've seen graded cards. You've seen these slabs that the cards are encapsulated in. And Tag tag really set out to take everything that is not great or everything that could be improved upon in the current grading state and make it better and just really perfect it. And that starts with the slab itself. We have, we have inarguably, the 
clearest slab in the business. It, it showcases the card, not the slab itself. Uh, we have a trans. It's transparent. I have one. I have one right here. You can see it's transparent in the label here. You can you can see right mm -hmm. through that. So it's you can't counterfeit this slab. PSA Beckett slabs have been counterfeited numerous times. So we have that advantage. You scan the QR code here. It takes you to that digital image and grading report I was talking about. And we also grade on a thousand point scale. So we actually get down to a much more detailed grade inside of that QR code. I don't know if you can see it there, but this yeah. one says, it says 970. So this graded a 970 out of a thousand, which translates to an industry standard grade of a gem mint 10. So wow. it's the transparency. It's the beauty of the presentation without, without it, all the focus being on the label up here. We want to showcase the card not the not the not the 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 grading company itself yeah so it, it's really all of these things tony that it, and it's i got to come back to the people the the gentleman who started the company he's a seasoned businessman he's he's not in it for the money he's in it for a, for legacy and to improve the hobby moving forward he's a great man the rest let, of the let, let, let's take a time out for a second i'm in it for the money is he on the stock market with this company because i'm in it for the money yeah, no. Hey, I mean, listen. Yeah. Uh, I I, yeah. I invested in the company myself. And, oh, really? Uh, and took, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm all in on tag grading myself. I I'm a 25 year CPA. I just retired from that career to get into tag grading full time. Um, we're not a public company. Uh, but you know, we do we do rounds of of uh, capital raise every so often. And um, you know, as Chris was saying before, we're not fully launched yet. We're in phase two of our launch. We will be fully launched later this year and right now we're selling our our grading slots by the drop method versus just you know open door policy anytime we're really we're, we're very strategic and meticulous in how we're rolling out and making sure that we're not making any mistakes along the way wow okay so chris in ending um when someone's going to want to have their card graded once once they're fully operational here let's just say i go to your store Sports Cards La Tornade on One Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil-Dorion. And you, uh, will, will, will that mean that all the cards that you'll have in store and you'll be selling will already be graded by tag? Or will there be cards that will not be graded? And if I want to have them graded, uh, what do I do exactly? So you're you're gonna the hopes is that you're you're gonna be able to bring your cards to me. I'm gonna be a, an exclusive drop-off point where I'm gonna try and send off the most per month. So mm -hmm. if if I'm gonna send a group submission every month at the end of every month, I'm gonna collect as many as I can from my clients, offer them the best service with the best insurance and the best price, and hopefully get everybody on board and go through with this new technology because i think that everybody in the hobby deserves to go forward with this and deserves uh a better transparent uh grading mm -hmm. so that's where yeah i think that it, it'll be advant advantageous for all clients to to come bring it to us jeremy where's home for you i live in California. calgary i'm in calgary. Oh, in calgary really okay yeah yeah i'm from winnipeg originally Tony, can I just address a comment that I see? Sure, please do. Yeah, I see. I see. Uh, Dahab says he's curious about the AI technology. Goes on to say, "I'd be wary," and I understand that. You know, we're, we're a new company, but uh, let me assure everybody that the the development of our AI, our machine learning, is done by the top 
AI machine learning developers in the world. These are people that work with the U.S. military. These are people that work on med medical technology. Uh, we, our, 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 our CEO does not mess around. Everything is being done extremely well. Part of the reason why I'm an investor, I, you know, again, retired from a long career to do this. And so uh, I just wanted to address that. And Anthony's question here, turnaround time, it's, we, we, it depends on the service we offer to Anthony here. Thank you, producer. Um, it just, it depends on the, on the turnaround time that you purchase, but we do five day, 10 day and 20 day turnaround times. Uh, in terms of being sent back to the owner, we don't, we can't take responsibility for the mail system, but mm -hmm. that's our, that's our commitment pricing right now. When we do our drops on our website is $14 us per card. But when we set up at the Toronto expo, we did the Edmonton expo. We'll make it out to the Montreal show, hopefully next year. Uh, we are usually at $20 Canadian, but you know, these are subject to change. And the website is tag grading, T A G grading.com. Wow. Sounds good. Hey, so uh, yeah. Tony, I just had to, uh, I would like to ask just two questions because sure. uh, I, I have, I have a lot of clients uh, that are listening and I have a lot of people that, uh, ask me this on a regular basis. So I just like to bring it forward to Jeremy and have Please Jeremy. Do, yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, there's a lot of people that bring concern into the store. Uh, the biggest concern is through PSA is the famous upcharges. So everybody in, that's sending away cards that's $500 US or more are getting upcharged for, uh, for their cards. Is this something that we'll ever see with TAG or is TAG sticking to their guns and, and having one flat rate? Yeah, I mean, our, our intention is to have one flat rate. I, I mean, I cannot speak for two, three, four, five years down the road, but we want to remove all that friction, make this easy. We we understand that it doesn't take any more time or effort, especially for an automated system, to grade a card worth a million dollars or a card worth a hundred dollars. It's the same process. We treat every card as if it's worth a million dollars when it comes to our facility. We no no cards are touched by human hands in our facility. There there are human hands involved, but they're wearing gloves. There's no everyone wears gloves. And that's just to place the card on the in the image capture machine's nest and move it through the process. But um, yeah, we we will. I don't. I want. I can't say we'll never, Chris. Just to be really conservative here. But yeah, the plan is to not have up charges and just charge one fee. We also don't want you to resubmit your cards and to try to get a better grade the next time. We only we, we believe that you should only have to pay once to get your card graded, and it should be done properly the first time. And that's what tag grading can do. Chris, you had another Great. one? Uh, yeah. So, the, well, Jeremy answered the uh, the turnaround time, but for viewers that deal with me on the regular basis, uh, I have been submitting and our turnaround is the 30 days, 30 opening days, uh, 30 business days. So I have been sitting, submitting with the 30 business days and I've always had my cards right on point. They've never been late. So that's just the note on that one. And the last question I had for Jeremy was, uh, the famous question, when can we see TAG uh, have a Canadian presence? Well, we I'm in, I, am, I am a Canadian presence in Calgary, but I am not a, an, a, a, an outlet post or anything like that. Uh, but listen, Canada is extremely important to TAG. We, we love, and again, I, I say we, but you know, TAG loves Canada. TAG loves hockey. TAG... It had a great experience at both the Toronto and the Edmonton Expo this year, hopefully to have a great experience at the Montreal 
Sports Hobby Expo uh, in, in up, upcoming shows. I can't give a, a precise date for that, Chris, but I hope that by the end of this year, we will have we will have drop-off locations at, at, at local card shops like Sports La Tornade. I mean, that, that's what we see for it. And hopefully in due course, we will actually, you won't need, we won't need you to send your cards to California. They can stay in Montreal, in Quebec and be graded there and slabbed and then returned to the customers. That's our vision to have remote, what we call a remote grading pod. We'd like to have one in, in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, Maritimes, Singapore, Mexico, Hong Kong, London. Wow. Wow, wow, I'm starting to see the light. I'm investing for real now. Agnello, take note of this. We're placing a call tomorrow. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for introducing uh, Jeremy Lee to us to the SICK Podcast and uh, and uh, and introducing, of course, Tag Sports Grading uh, to the SICK Podcast. So once again, it's taggrading.com. And Chris, in ending, uh, once again, uh, Kate Angulia, the Montreal Canadiens, and former Hab, Yvon Lambert at uh, SICK Sports cards, La Tornade, or La Tornade Sports Week. We call it six sports cards, La Tornade. But one Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil-Dorion on um, on Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, we'll see you there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. Have a good Gentlemen, night. thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Jeremy, thank thanks for doing this. And and to all of you, thank you so much for watching once again. My Sick Army, my Sick Community. It's Monday through Friday, uh, and uh, it will... Um, it, it, we, we go, of course, at 10 p.m., and we usually bring you at least about an hour. If you like the show tonight, uh, comment SICK, S-I-C-K. Like it, share it with your friends. And if you're going to be listening to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It is our way of feeling the love. On Friday, I announced that Mitch Garber, um, minority owner of the Seattle Kraken, would join us tomorrow night. Mitch reached out to me earlier tonight. And uh, we're still on, but not tomorrow, unfortunately. Sometime in the next week, he will be joining us. We're uh, just something came up, and we're looking to find a better time. But I'm sure we'll have something real good for you tomorrow. But uh, Mitch Garber will be joining us in the very near future. In case you missed it, the Florida Panthers, oops, they did it again. They really are hot for real and look like a team of destiny. They're even winning games by a score of one to nothing. This team can beat you any which way they want. And Sergei Bobrovsky stopped all 32 shots that he faced and obviously was the first star of the hockey game. And they were able to do it without Barkov, who was out for period number two and period number three after sustaining an injury in period number one. It is an absolutely incredible story that uh, just keeps on giving. Wow. Wow. What a story. All right. Okay. For Agnello and Sammy at Master Control, their Cavallaro. And in the words of Peter and Coach St. Luke, the Florida Panthers are playing team concept, total emotion, and motivation. I'm Marinero. Have a good night. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature.